Hi, and welcome to Ask the Pastor. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. Last week, we answered the question, how should a Christian respond to the coronavirus? This week's question is, what can we learn from the coronavirus? Thanks, Dad, and uh, thank all of you for listening, as always, and uh, for asking your good questions. This is, once again, one that I don't have a specific Ask the Pastor write-in that I can give credit to anyone, but rather just kind of giving everyone credit because we know that this is a question on so many minds and hearts right now is uh, not only the, the question we responded to last week in the podcast, how, how should we as Christians be, be responding to um, the, the panic, the fear, the anxiety that's in the air with, with this virus? Um, but you know, we'll dig a little bit deeper here this week in a part two of sorts and maybe go beyond that, because I know, you know, one of the questions, it's, it's maybe a more specific, a little bit of a specific kind of case of uh, the, the age-old problem of evil. How, you know, how could God allow this kind of suffering, this kind of panic? You know, what is God up to here? That's kind of the, the, the bigger overarching question, I guess, for, for this week is what, what kind of motives might God have for allowing... Um, you know, a, a virus like this to to be sweeping uh, not only the nation but the globe, and especially with in, in the past week, I know fears and things have have uh, escalated even beyond uh, where we were last week when we were recording this podcast between the World Health Organization officially labeling. Um, Coronavirus is as a pandemic, not just an epidemic in, in certain parts of the world, but a pandemic. Um, we see, you know, the, the March Madness not allowing fans, and colleges are canceling classes and going to online, and Disneyland shut down, and um, you know, obviously the stock market is crashing. And so, with all of all of what we see going on, I think um, you know we we could we could jump back to the our database of questions that you guys have asked about biblical issues and textual issues, and those are all well and good, and we will certainly come back to those. But uh, right now, it just seems really timely to be spending extra time thinking through uh, this, this, uh, this pandemic. And so with that said, um, you know, I... One of the things I want to do in this podcast is I, I told you from episode one, um, modeling even the, the the fact that we've modeled this podcast after the Ask Pastor John podcast that John Piper does through Desiring God is you know part of my heart is just to expose us at West Hills and whoever might listen to our podcast to good biblical resources for you. And so um, again, I don't I don't have any desire here to reinvent the wheel. This is not you know, the will of all show here. And so, um, you know, one of the things I want to do I, I, just on this particular episode is expose you in, in uh, specific to probably the best um, resource that I've come across and in, in all the blog posts and articles and everything that's being written right now on a Christian response. Um, I posted to Facebook, but just in the event that we have folks listening to the podcast that uh, didn't 
see that post on Facebook or, you know, saw it and said, oh, I'll come back and read that later. It looks interesting and and haven't gotten a chance yet or whatever the case may be. Um, I want to just literally read for you um, an article written by a pastor named Mark Oden um, yesterday on March 11th uh, that was posted to the Gospel Coalition uh, website, went out in their daily news blast. And again, if the only thing that you get out of this whole podcast today is uh, that resource is is a, a tap on the shoulder to to go to t, uh, tgc.org, the Gospel Coalition, and subscribe to their daily newsletter and and just avail yourself of their free uh, online resources that they'll email you, put in your inbox every day, start your day with 15 or 20 minutes looking over really topical, relevant, important, biblical uh, uh, resources. That, that'll be a win as far as I'm concerned for this podcast. But, but Mark Oden's um, article was entitled, Eight Things the Coronavirus Should Teach Us. And so I just want to read it for you now and then let it stand on its own merit. And I won't interject uh, any, <laughs> any commentary. And so this is all from Oden. I'll give credit where credit is due. That'll um, link the, the article in the show notes so you can read it, uh, the transcript, if that's helpful for you. So eight things the coronavirus, uh, coronavirus should teach us. He says, I woke this morning in Naples, Italy's third city, to have been placed on lockdown. Public gatherings, including church services, have been forbidden. Weddings, funerals, and baptisms have been canceled. Schools and movie theaters, museums, and gyms have all been closed. My wife and I just returned from grocery shopping, trip that took two hours due to long checkout lines. Italy currently has the highest reported number of coronavirus cases outside of China, 9,172 cases and 463 deaths. And that number has gone up since yesterday. As a result, 60 million people have been told to remain in their homes unless absolutely necessary. How are we as Christians to respond to such a crisis? Answer, with faith, not fear. We are to look into the eye of the storm and ask, Lord, what are you wanting me to learn through this? How are you seeking to change me? Here are eight things we'd all do well to learn or relearn from this coronavirus scare. Number one, our fragility. This global crisis is teaching us how weak we are as human beings. At the time of this writing, 98,429 cases of coronavirus have been reported worldwide, including 3,000, uh, causing 3,387 deaths. We're trying our best to contain its spread, and for the most part, I think uh, we're confident of eventual success. Now imagine a virus even more aggressive and contagious than coronavirus. Faced with such a threat, could we prevent our own extinction as a species? The answer is clearly no. It's easy to forget, but humans are weak and frail. The words of the psalmist rings true. The life of mortals is like grass, but they flourish like a flower. Uh, They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. Or COVID-19 blows over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. That's Psalm 103, 15 and 16. How does this lesson of our fragility hit home? Perhaps by reminding us to not take our lives on this earth for granted. Psalm 90, 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The second thing coronavirus teaches us, number two, is our equality. 
This virus doesn't respect ethnic boundaries or national borders. It's not a Chinese virus. It's our virus. It's in Afghanistan, Belgium, Cambodia, Denmark, France, America. 77 countries and counting have been contaminated by the virus. We're all members of the great human family created in the image of God, Genesis 1.17. The color of our skin, uh, the language we speak, our accents, and our cultures count for nothing in the eyes of a contagious disease. In our suffering, in the pain of losing a loved one, we are completely equal, weak, and without answers. Number three, our loss of control. We all love to be in control. We fancy ourselves captains of our own destiny, masters of our fate. The reality is that today, more than ever before, we can control significant parts of our lives. We can control our home's heating and security remotely. We can move money around the world with a click of an app. We can even control our bodies through training and medicine. But perhaps this sense of control is an illusion, a bubble that the coronavirus has popped, revealing the reality that we're not really in control. Now, here in Italy, the authorities are trying to contain the spread of this virus by closing, opening, and closing again our children's schools. Do they have the situation under control? What about us? Armed with our disinfectant sprays, we try to lower the risk of being infected. There is nothing wrong with this activity. But are we in control of the situation? Hardly. Number four, the pain we share in being excluded. A few days ago, a member of our church traveled to northern Italy. On her return to Naples, she was excluded from a dinner with work colleagues. She was told it would be better for her not to come due to recent travels up north, even though she hadn't been anywhere near the red zones and wasn't displaying any symptoms. Obviously, this distancing hurt her. A 55-year-old restaurant owner from central Naples has recently been quarantined. Having tested positive for COVID-19, he was said to have felt relatively well physically, but was saddened by the reactions of many of his neighbors. The thing that hurt him more than his positive diagnosis for the coronavirus is the way he and his family have been treated by the city in which he lives. Being excluded and isolated isn't an easy thing since we were created for a relationship, but many people now are having to deal with isolation. It's an experience the leper community of Jesus' day knew all too well. Forced to live on their own, walking the streets of their hometown, shouting, unclean, unclean. Number five, the distance between fear and faith. What's your reaction to this crisis? It's so easy to be gripped by fear. It's easy to see the coronavirus everywhere I look, on the keyboard of my computer, in the air I breathe, in every physical contact, and around every corner waiting to infect me. Are we panicking? Or perhaps this crisis is challenging us to react in a different way, with faith and not fear. Faith not in the stars or in some unknown deity, rather faith in Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who is also the resurrection and the life. Surely only Jesus is in control of this situation. Surely only he can guide us through this storm. He calls us to trust and believe, to have faith and not fear. The sixth thing coronavirus teaches us is our need of God and our need to pray. In the midst of a global crisis, how can we as individuals possibly make a difference? Often we feel so small and insignificant. But there is something we can do. We can call out to our Father in heaven. Pray for the authorities running our countries and cities. Pray for the medical teams treating the sick. Pray for the men, women, and children who have been infected, for the people afraid to leave their homes, for those living in red zones, for those at high risk with other illnesses, for the elderly. Pray for the Lord that he would protect us and keep us. Pray to him that he might show us his mercy. Pray also for the Lord Jesus to return, 
that he might come back and take us to the new creation that he's prepared for us, a place with no tears, no death, no mourning, crying, or pain, Revelation 21.4. The seventh thing it teaches us is the vanity of so much of our lives. Ecclesiastes 1.2 says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's so easy to lose perspective in the midst of the madness of our lives. Our days are so filled with people and projects, works and wish lists, homes and holidays that we can struggle to distinguish the important from the urgent. We lose ourselves in the midst of our lives. Perhaps this crisis is reminding us what we should concern our lives with. Perhaps it's helping us to distinguish between what's meaningful and what's meaningless. Perhaps the Premier League, soccer, or that new kitchen, or that Instagram post aren't essential to my survival. Perhaps the coronavirus is teaching us what really matters. Number eight, finally, most importantly, our hope. Coronavirus is hopefully helping us learn where our hope is. In a sense, the most important question is not, what hope do you have in the face of coronavirus? Because Jesus came to warn us of the presence of a far more lethal uh, widespread virus, one that has struck every man, every woman, every child, a virus that ends in not only certain death, but eternal death. Our species, according to Jesus, lives in the grip of a pandemic outbreak called sin. What is our hope in the face of that virus? The story of the Bible is the story of a God who, endured, uh, who entered a world infected with this virus. He lived among sick people, not wearing a chemical protective suit, but breathing the same air we do, eating the same food we do. He died in isolation, excluded from his people, seemingly far from his father on a cross. All that he might provide this sick world with his antidote to the virus, that he might heal us and give us eternal life. Hear his words. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's how uh, Odin concludes his article. And I would just encourage us once again, West Hills, to live in the light of that hope, to live, uh, to, to, to allow ourselves to be reminded in the midst of our own mortality and, and all these things that the coronavirus is teaching us. Um, that most of all, it might teach us where our hope truly does lie, um, that our hope is in heaven. Um, and that, as I said in, you know, last week in the podcast, in, in some sense, you know, uh, to live is, is uh, to die is gain. Uh, what, what, what's the phrase? To, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There it is, uh, Philippians 1. And so, um, yeah, we, we should remind ourselves that our hope lies in heaven and, um, and our treasure is not here where moth and rust can destroy and take it away. And so be encouraged today by that and um, also be convicted of, of that need in others around us, that they need that same hope, that as they're being reminded of their mortality, uh, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Um, there are others who are grieving in a very real sense because if this life is all they have, it, it really is a sad state. And um, in, in what better time? I mean, we have a real unique opportunity here to reach people with the good news in this, in this window of, of chaos and in a world of sinking sand. People are looking for a sure foundation. We know we have it in Christ. We know they need it. Um, and so reach out to them. Um, we'll be talking this Sunday about more of our own church's response to this virus and some practical details with that. 
We are not canceling services. We encourage you to come Sunday um, as long as you're, you're not sick. And we don't want to be a part of the problem in spreading germs. And so stay home if you're sick. And we record our services. Watch it online uh, uh, later. But um, uh, assuming you're healthy, come be with, with us um, and, and worship with us as we, uh, as we seek to continue to point people to uh, our ultimate hope, our only hope, Jesus Christ. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Don't forget that you can submit your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting your questions online through our website at www.westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening. Thank you.